Welcome to the Confidence Through Health Podcast. My name is Jerry Snyder. As a health, wellness, and sports performance coach, my goal each week is to bring you experts to help you take control of your health and build your self-confidence. Thanks for including me today on your journey to better health. As an elite level runner and coach, I'm excited to introduce you to the All In Running Club. The All In Running Club exists to help you become a better runner. Whether you're a beginner, an elite runner, or anywhere in between, the mission of the All In Running Club is to give you the tools you need to find your success in running. Join today to take advantage of the 75% off yearly membership rate offer. Click the link below in the show notes to learn more. So thank you, Dr. Jacoby, for being a guest on the Confidence Through Health podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm in sunny downtown Scottsdale. I just finished playing pickleball. I'm ready to go. That's awesome. And, and that's like that. That is a, a testament in itself of a, a doctor who is taking care of themselves because so many people that go to the doctor and, and I've even had people come to me and say, you know, like, hey, my doctor's told me I need to do this and this, but they're not taking care of themselves. So when I decide I'm actually going to do it, I'm going to come to you to get advice for how to do that and not go to my doctor because they're not taking care of themselves. So I applaud you for taking care of yourself and also trying to model that. Well, I was just talking to some of the people playing pickleball uh, about diet and exercise. They always ask me about that. Sure. Um, and they and they complain about the medical model. Well, I say, you know, doctors are not in the healthcare business. They're in the pathology repair business. Right. So if your knee wears out, they fix it. That's what they're trained to do. That's what they're taught to do. That's right. where they make their money. So you're asking a doctor who repairs knees a wrong question. Yeah. Now, I'm kind of on the uh, going out of regular medicine. I'm almost done with regular medicine. I'm doing regenerative medicine, stem cells. Yeah. And so I can repair those things without surgery now. Yeah. So, but it was a long journey. I mean, it right. was 50 years of coming to that realization. Yeah. Part of it was because of my own body, my own struggles with sugar, which I, if you asked me 25 years ago, was I addicted to sugar? I'd say absolutely not. I don't eat sugar. Well, yeah, yeah. I follow the <laughs> food pyramid. Well, if you do that, you know you're, you're a sugar hog. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And then I get into the issue of why is our federal government being in charge of our life? lying to us or maybe it started out as a misnomer yeah but that was 50 years ago for god's sake right i mean everybody's taking a statin drug for a disease that doesn't exist cholesterol right so i started to question those things um so let me start back in philadelphia where i where i started school and i when i graduated from college in vietnam time and i thought to myself i better get serious of what i'm doing I enrolled in Villanova in graduate school as chemistry and then started applying to medical schools. I got into the Pennsylvania College of Podiatric Medicine, which was in Philadelphia at Ethan Spruce by Pennsylvania Hospital. Okay. And in those days, we had work-study programs. Right. And I was uh, assigned to the Ben Franklin Clinic across the street from the hospital with Dr. Michael Sheff, and he was studying PKU which okay. is phenylkina urea, a right. birth defect. So my job was to feed the rats different chows. 
And and I did not realize that when I was doing that, and we rendered their rats and looked at their brains, and we did um, electrophoresis, which meant we were looking for the amino acids. Right. But I I would think it maybe twenty five years later. I was one day I was thinking, wait a minute, what was I feeding those little furry guys? <laughs> I was feeding them grain. Okay. Rats are carnivores. Right. What the hell are we feeding them grains for? Well, we did feed uh, the control group the standard, I guess, the standard rat diet, <laughs> not yeah. the standard American diet, which is the same thing. Right. And then we're testing them against another chow. Well, there is a difference on the amino acids. So that's when I kind of start, what's this all about? Now, I was in Dr. Sheff's uh, biochemistry class at the time. So I, and he, he's like a, no, no ball laureate. He was from England and an MD, PhD, and he worked with Watson and Crick, the okay. discoverer of DNA. Yeah. And he's talking to me about that every day while he smoked his Chesterfields and burnt holes in his uh, tweed suit. <laughs> so yeah. that's where we were back in the 60s. Right. But it stuck to my, it stuck to me, but I was still allopathic model. Uh, I was there to learn surgery. Mm-hmm. And, which I did, and then I went, came out to Scottsdale. I, um, I founded the Scottsdale Healthcare Wound Care Center about 40 years ago, and about 25 years ago, I ran into Dr. Lee Dellen. And okay. Dr. Dellen is a professor of neurosurgery at Johns Hopkins. I'll try to make this story short. Yeah. He said, why do you podiatrists cut the nerve out in the foot? I said, well, that's what we were trained to do. And actually, Thomas Morton trained at the Pennsylvania hospital. I was there. He was there in the 1800s. I just missed him. Yeah. And he, and uh, that's what, that's the training. So, uh, you know, 200 years later, we're still doing the same thing. Right. So that was another epiphany. So Dr. Dellen invited me down to Johns Hopkins. He trained me in peripheral nerve surgery. I brought that back to Scottsdale. And that was an interesting experience because He's written two textbooks on neurosurgery, which I read at least seven times to understand what he was saying. Yeah. But I really couldn't see what he was doing until I got to, uh, as they like to say, Hopkins. And when I scrubbed in on with him on a diabetic surgery, and he and I'll use my glasses as an example. He said, put these loops on. Loops mm-hmm. meaning magnification. Right. 3.5. And I'm in surgery with him. Now, mind you, I have done thousands of surgeries by that time. So I, in my mind, what could this guy teach me? I am board certified. I know my field. And I put the loops on. Right. And I'm in surgery with him. And he says, see the compression? And oh, my God, there it was. But I didn't know the diabetic neuropathy was a compression neuropathy. Okay. He's the one that he is the one that came up with that theory and published his first paper in 1984. And I think this is an important concept for your for your uh, people who are listening to this to this podcast. I guarantee you they have never been told that. They yeah. are all trapped in the allopathic model, which means a drug. Right. Lyrica, for instance, that's the number one drug. Well, that does not cure neuropathy. That yeah. works in the brain so you don't feel the symptoms that sugar right. causes. Right. So I won't go too deep in the biochemistry, but believe me, it's in the literature. And 
sugar causes a chemical reaction with nerves, which makes them compressed. So start with a carpal tunnel, the wrist, that's a compression neuropathy. Right. So when it gets bad enough and painful enough, you do surgery to release the nerve so it's not compressed. Right. That's what he did in a lower extremity. That's what he taught me. I brought that concept back to Scottsdale in 2000, and that really kind of changed my life. So, okay. so is that is that compression? Is is that basically from inflammation? Yeah. So the chemistry of sugar, and let me share with your audience what the word glucose means, because I was asked that last year right. at a think tank in California, talking about a Netflix for my new book, and one of the producers said, "What's the word glucose mean?" And I gave him the biochemical answer. No, right. he said, no, no. What's the word mean? And, and I went, I don't know. I had to look it up. The word is a Greek word, okay. meaning to adhere, stick together. It's glue. Oh. That's why oh. it's called glucose. So C-O- okay. or the O-S-E is the sh- means sugar. Glue, the prefix, is the type of sugar. That particular sugar is glue. Well, that's an epiphany for me, oh, among yeah. many, many other epiphanies. So now I really was like, wait a minute. So we have a sugar, which is essential to life. Mm-hmm. And it's really amazing because only one teaspoon of sugar at any one time is what the body runs on. So it's kind of like if your body is on uh, in, in neutral, you're like a car is idling. Yeah. So four grams is one teaspoon of glucose. So you're idling along and then you do need burst of energy and you will convert fructose basically and fat in your body into glucose. It's called gluconeogenesis. Right. So when you need it, you'll produce it. Well, we eat sugar all day long. So we're, (laughs) I'd like to say, my dad used to use this phrase for mental illness to say, a kid's running with his choke out. That's an old term. That's oh, a yeah. gasoline engine, remember? Right, yep. yep. Yeah. So you're running at high RPMs and you're not going anywhere. Right. Well, that's a diabetic. High RPMs, running on lots of sugar, you're not going anywhere. But you are producing a lot of damage to your body. Right. So I get that all day. You know, well, no, sugar is good for you. Yes, it is in the right dose. You know, the dose is the poison. Right. So anything over four grams at any one time is going to evoke a um, insulin, insulin, insulin response. Um, so I thought about that, and I was thinking, well, that is that's really kind of odd because most people have been taught to um, to eat sugar and eat all day, right? And and um, and that food pyramid tells us to do that. Right now, that's that's a that was constructed by the USDA, United States Department of Agriculture. Eat six to eleven helpings of grains every day. Then, on the next level up, eat your fruits and vegetables. I don't want to talk about that. That's also sugar. Right. And if you run out of the pyramid at the top, then you maybe can have some fat. Yeah. That is an upside-down pyramid. Right. Now, if the U.S. government doesn't understand that, 
then they must be out to kill us <laughs> because that's what's killing us. Right. But there's a collusion between big farming, big yes. pharma, and I think the public is starting to understand that the FDA is not there to protect us. They're in bed right. with the cause of the disease. Right. So my field is diabetic neuropathy. I know the chemistry of this stuff. I know the surgery. I know the regenerative approach in stem cells. And um, so that's where I'm at. I know how to do the surgery for sure. Yeah. Then thousands of those, but the, but there's a better solution and that's stem cells. That's where I'm at right now. Right. So. Well, I, and, and so to dig into that just a little bit about the sugar dosing, because like, I mean, the I can't remember the exact amount, but the average kid in today's world is is getting what over like thirty or thirty five teaspoons of sugar a day. Yes. By the way, like, yesterday a journal article just came out yesterday, and it says that all kids under age thirteen mm -hmm. have fifty percent metabolic syndrome. Oh my gosh! Fifty percent of okay. So let's dig down into this this question. This is a national disgrace. Yeah. It's not a debate about diet. It's a right. national disgrace. If I say if these physicians and public employees are our servants don't know that they should be fired. Right. And if they do know that they should be arrested. Because they're killing people. Right. Okay? So my my book, my first book, Sugar Crush, really went into how sugar affects nerves. Okay. So let's go back to 2004. And I said to Dr. Dellen, who taught me, and I said, Dr. Dellen, I think there's more to your theory. And he said, why don't you figure it out? So I start reading outside of my expertise, and I found Dr. John Cook at Stanford. You know, John is an MD, PhD. He's a cardiologist by training, studies one molecule asymmetric dimethyl arginine. Right. It sounds like a big word, and it is, and it blocks the nitric oxide pathway. Okay. Well, that's that's a seminal moment in my, in my study. I went up to Stanford in 2005, worked with Dr. Cook on his molecule and my patients, and I found that that molecule was elevated not just in diabetic neuropathy, but in MS and every other neuropathy. And I had that epiphany back then saying, wait a minute, this is a systemic disease. So then I said, well, wait a minute, MS, Alzheimer's, autism, all these things, they're not different diseases. They're the same disease manifesting in different tissue right? by inflammation that, that we sense. put labels on. Yep. So just to give you an audience um, background on the words, <laughs> Because this is what we had to learn in school. They did not care about my opinion, by the way. <laughs> Chalky's a scene. And I remember talking about cardiovascular disease to one of my professors. And I kept asking the question. He says, you know, you're pretty adamant about this. Well, you know, I didn't know what the word adamant meant 50 years ago. Right. And I was, I was puzzled. And, and what he really was saying, just shut up and learn it and regurgitate it. Well, right. I was right then. So let's go back to the word atherosclerosis, 1850s, actually 1861, a guy by the name of Burkell. 
So he opens up an artery and he looks at it. Now he spoke five languages, one of which was Greek. And he saw this gunk in English, as he called it. Right. And he named it in Greek, athro. Okay. Hardened gunk is atherosclerosis. Okay. Well, that's not a disease. That's an observation right. of gunk in an artery. The question right. is how to get there and what's the mechanism. He yeah. actually, in his first paper, he did say, I think it's inflammation, but he didn't know what the inflammation was. Okay. So then I'm, so now I'm up at Stanford asking the same question to Dr. Uncook. And if you want to look at it, uh, he spells his name with on this subject and I didn't want to read all the 700 papers I did it the easy way John I'm confused I have this hypothesis could you run me through it when it makes the endothelium, the lining of the blood vessel. You're cutting oh, out just a little bit. Yeah, it came back on. So I said to John, you know, the lining of the blood vessel is called the endothelium. It's like Teflon, smooth. When you eat right. sugar, it makes it like Velcro. Okay. I said, well, where does cholesterol come into this? He said, well, cholesterol is a signaling molecule that responds to the area of the accent. So it's like telling cholesterol, the ambulance is responding to the accident and blaming that for the cause of the accident. Right. No, sugar causes the adhesion, back to the word glue. Right. It's steady. The cholesterol stays to... And, and that's exactly what it's supposed to do is trying to seal the damage that is caused by sugar. So every time you eat sugar, in any form, by the way, whether it's a peach or it doesn't matter. And And eventually you're going to get quote unquote after. Right. Nope, you cut out again. I don't know if you can hear me. You there? Yeah, we're back again. Can you hear me? Yes, I got you back now. So that was a seminal moment for me in, in this sugar issue and that's right. in sugar crush my first book i published that in 2015 so it's like i've been talking about this for 25 years right and then i applied as i said to all nerves and um so then i started to look at the symptoms of these different things so let's talk about let's say alzheimer's right but i was a guy in the 1900s by the name of alzheimer's so he says i have these patients are losing their memory and at our autopsy, they found these little spots in the brain. So that's called Alzheimer's disease. No, it's not. It's an observation. Right. The answer is sugar. The first symptom in Alzheimer's is loss of, loss of smell. That's the olfactory nerve. Right. And, and the olfactory nerve is 
you know, goes to the hippocampus in the brain. Um, and so to me, that is the same thing as parcel tunnel or carpal tunnel right. or any neuropathy. It's just a different function of the uh, of that nerve. So yeah. I think most people can understand carpal tunnel of the wrist. And that's where Dr. Dallin's connection was. Yeah. So the decompression of the wrist, nerve, median nerve, this muscle on your hand, and this is its function. Well, the olfactory nerve is a chemoreceptor, senses smell. So that courses its way through your skull into right. your brain and is received at a structure called the hippocampus. And that's the sense of smell. But it's also yeah. the sense of... Um, of addiction for uh, sugar and also the area for long-term memory. So right. that process, that's Alzheimer's. Right. So now another guy, uh, Dr. Perlmutter, are you yeah. with him? Yep. Okay. So this really gets weird, but not, not, it's not weird in the sense it's not solvable. If I ever, I've never talked to him, okay. but he wanted to be on the front of my book and he is. Okay. And, he, and he's saying what a wonderful book, book it is. But I've never been on his show. He's a neurologist. Neurologists right. absolutely do not think Dr. Dellen's theory is correct. Because neurologists are medical doctors. Right. Now, here's the seminal moment. So when I had my seminal moment, when after I read his textbook, and, I'm, and believe me, this is one of the finest textbooks ever written in surgery. Right. Okay. And he's a professor in neurosurgery at Johns Hopkins. Pretty good, bright guy. Right. Okay? He's written yes. <laughs> 800 papers. Uh, yeah. And he's amazing. Right. But Perlmutter never read that textbook. Why? Because he's a medical doctor. He's not a surgeon. Even if he read it, what's he going to do with it? Right. And if he did know, and he was in surgery with Dr. Dellen, he wouldn't see it. Because it's not going to wear a loop. So he cannot see what Dr. Dallin's saying. Right. And that's a very, very important point. So where does the money go in medicine from the National Institute of Health, which, by the way, is funded by the Farm Bureau? Right. Getting the, getting the pattern here? Yeah. Yep. So the grants and I, I like to use the word grant is Latin for give me a big check. And my son's name, Grant, and I think it's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, a, he's a good, he's a good kid. But that, so the professors that are big in the field go to NIH and they say, give me $10 million and I'll figure out a drug to answer right. the question. Right. And Big Pharma loves that. Yep. And that's where the money goes. I would go to NIH, which I did, by the way. That's an interesting story. They don't want to hear what I have to say. Because yeah. there's no monetary uh, at the end. Of, uh, you can't monetize this, this right. disease. Right. You need a drug. Right. So that's why it's never been solved. And it never yeah. will be solved unless you put Dr. Dellen's lens on, read his textbook, listen to what I'm saying, Right. And all these diseases are the same. Yeah. And I'd love to have that debate with Dr. Perlmutter, but it's never going to happen. Now, back to Al Alzheimer's. 
he is the one is coining the word that Alzheimer's is type three diabetes. Right. Yeah, I heard that. Right. Yeah. Well, if type three diabetes is Alzheimer's, what what is ALS? Type four. Right. Uh, is MS type five? Is um, um, Hunter? Um, there's a disease that Jimmy Buffett just passed away, a Merkel cell tumor of the branch of the trigeminal nerve. Is that mm -hmm. type 7,468? Right, right. No. In my opinion, this is where I get a lot of pushback. There is no such thing as type 1 diabetes or type 2 or type yeah. 3 or type 700,000. Yeah. They're all the same. The chemistry is the same, but what's the difference? And that's epigenetics. Right. So if you carry the genes, they're going to express when you come in contact with the trigger, right. that tissue that is inflamed, we'll put a label on it and you'll have whatever the hell we call it. Right. But the answer is sugar. But my book, new book, and I use this phrase, stem cells don't give a rat's ass what you call uritis. Nice. Because they fix anything. Yeah. So my kind of the biochemistry talk is kind of like mute because it's yeah. like doesn't matter. So if you're 50, 60, 70, 80 years old and you have an inflammatory condition like arthritis of the knee, yeah, then you get an option. You're going to be given an option of medicine, you know, Advil and all that stuff, anti-inflammatories, right. or right. a monoclonal antibody, which is another big subject that those drugs are like rheumatoid arthritis. They're given for inflammatory conditions caused by sugar. We yeah. take people have um, rheumatoid arthritis. We take their serum. We inject our little rat friends or mice, and then we take their antibodies and go to a laboratory, make the antibodies, sell it back to you for $200,000 a year and never right. cure it. Yeah. But it does make your knee feel better. Okay? Right. It does make your knee feel better. So if you're, so now you have an option of, um, of either surgery or medicine, but now we have this wonderful, wonderful window of opportunity called regenerative medicine. Yeah. And that is a seminal moment in the history of medicine. Well, and that's something that, you know, in, in, and I, I fully agree with you that, that diseases are, not being like looked at at the government level at the pharmaceutical level at at the medical school level in necessarily like okay what's the connection what's the root cause how like i don't think anybody's really going all the way down that channel like you have to say this is where it's all started yeah you and know? it's real simple Ancel and it phase, is you know yeah and and i think and because like you just said earlier that there's there's no money for them in teaching people well if you if you just get the right amount of what you need for yourselves to be able to work properly and you can because it the possibilities there you can get tested for epigenetics you can figure out what what your you know triggers are that are going to set off different you know genes that are going to set off different diseases and you stay away from those triggers and then you don't turn those diseases on. Absolutely. Now there's just, very little money there. Yeah, yeah I, there there is no money. 
Now, this new world of wearables, and I'm connected with a company called MedWatch. Yeah. So they have a new technology. It's not out yet. But are you familiar with the continuous glucose monitors? Yes. Like Libre and Dexacom. Yep. Yep. So they have needles that go in the skin and can measure glucose. This new right. technology is optical, no needles. Oh, wow. Not only measures glucose, but just about any molecule. Okay. The signature of the molecule. Right. Even that crazy molecule, asymmetric dimethyl arginine, which is okay. the first marker of this disease. That's what we figured out. Right. Now, if you can do that and have a device on your body and you eat an apple and it lights up green, that's good for you. I eat the same apple and it's red. It's not good for me because of epigenetics. Right. So we can start to modify our diets. Now, yeah. there's a big, you know, the big argument in nutrition is the herbivores, vegetarians against the carnivores. Right. Now, I happen to be on the carnivore side, but that's good for me, but it may not be good for you. Right. So we had that debate, and I think this will help solve that debate. Yeah. So, um, I mean, the fruits and vegetables, maybe at one point in time they were okay, and maybe we learned to eat the right things, but the fruits and vegetables we're eating today are not the same things we ate 50 years ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they've been genetically modified. It, it, they've been modified and the, the, the fields are not, um, you know, as, as rich in nutrients. And so, you know, the density as far as nutrition is, is concerned with, with those is, is poor. Um, especially if you're, if you're getting them from a, you know, what's turned out to be a traditional monocropping farming system. Um, yes. And it starts yeah. there. Are you familiar with, uh, Stephanie Senef? Yes. So Stephanie and I, well, she actually taught me the shikimate biochemistry of the microbiome. Right. And she's brilliant. She, and we were doing, she just helped me on my biochemistry. And we were going to write a book together. And she wrote the book, um, Toxic Legacy. Okay. So we were going to write a book called Gut Check. And we, we'll probably write, or that probably will be published. Yeah. But I encourage you to write that because that's about glyphosate and mm. Monsanto's herbicide. Right. right. And it gets into the soil. Yep. And the FDA said, well, it's safe for humans. Well, maybe at that point in time. But when you eat food that's genetically modified, yeah. then you're going to get the glyphosate into your gut. So let me yep. break that word down for your audience. And so lysine, which is a amino acid, and this is a good trick to do to take glycine supplements mm -hmm. because you're getting glyphosate, which really means glycine that's been hooked up with a phosphate uh, molecule and it's, it gets stuck in our DNA. That's called the shikimate pathway. Right. So you can right. take excessive, take a lot of glycine and counteract the effect of that poison. And it is a poison. Right. Yeah, it is. So, so like irritable gut, uh, uh, Crohn's disease, just right. about every disease is linked to that herbicide, Hodgkin's lymphoma. Right. So it goes on and on. Yeah. So we are still allowing that compound to be sprayed on all our crops. Now mm -hmm. we're pushing it around the, around the world. And um, 
it's directly linked to diabetes and all these diseases I just right. talked about. Right. So, but now I think we have with stem cells and people like yourself broadcasting the truth mm -hmm. and wearables that can measure these things that we get off the grid, so to speak. Right. We don't have to rely on our own government agencies. Although, why should we be paying horrible <laughs> amounts of taxes to right. keep them in business right. when they're trying to kill us? Right. Um, but there, there's light at the end of the tunnel. So my new book, I just, um, so it'll be out in January. Yeah. And it's really emphasized stem cells. Now, here's the problem. The FDA this year made Amnio, which is one of the products. Now, let me break what stem cells are then. Yeah. It gets a little confusing. Let's go back to 2000. Um, President Bush, he said, no embryonic stem cell research in the United States. Right. So that, and, and that was probably a good decision, not only from an ethical standpoint, from a medical standpoint as well, because they can have some problems with, with the gene uh, changes and tumor formation. Okay. So no one uses that in the United States. It is used around the world, but not in the United right. States. Okay. So now we have non-embryonic stem cell. And I'll give you a little piece of the book. Uh, in 2003, uh, Senate committee, chaired by um, John McCain, by the way, mm -hmm. convened a um, hearing on non-embryonic stem cells in the year 2003. Invited a lot of scientists there one of which was Joanne Kurtzberg from Duke. Okay. And she was demonstrating that kids with autism and kids with muscular dystrophy, and this is right to my point, and I went to her lectures, and she's showing kids that couldn't speak with autism and kids couldn't walk with muscular dystrophy did speak and did walk, giving them... Now, she was giving a little bit different stem cells that we can get here in the United States, mm -hmm. hemopoietic stem cells. So what does that mean? Blood components of the umbilical cord along with right. the Wharton's jelly. Right. We, I don't use the blood components. I use pure Wharton's jelly. Okay. And here's what I said to her. Her first name is Joanne. I said, Joanne, this is amazing. I said, first of all, you gave the same dose of quote-unquote non-embryonic tissue mm -hmm. to a kid with autism a different disease and the same dose the same stuff to a kid with muscular dystrophy right i said that that you're agreeing with my point these are not different diseases they're different right. locations you right. proved it she looked at me like like what are you talking about i said well, <laughs> it was genetic disease it would be immutable you couldn't change it but you did yeah. And she showed gene arrays. Well, that was an epiphany for her. And then the second point was, I said, you're, you're giving a, a, a substance to these, these kids, and we're, it's not known to the public. I said, that mm -hmm. was 2003. This is 20 years later. Right. Still not known. Right. So I said, what, what's, the, what's the problem? Back to that word grant. She said, we need more research. Yeah. I need more grants. That's 10 million a year. Well, kind of like this, all scientists kind of do it, like the Wizard of Oz. 
once they pull the curtain back, you know the answer, and, and you're not going to give them any more money. Right. But if you have a kid with autism, and that kid's 20 years old now, I think he'd be a little pissed. Oh, yeah. So you, so you can use it. It does work. I've seen it. I've, I've seen it from her. So mm -hmm. let's go down to Panama for a second. So I went down to Panama, Dr. Reardon's clinic, yeah. and he's from Scottsdale, by the way. This is another weird thing. Yeah. He's practiced around the corner from me in Scottsdale. I never met him here. Oh, wow. But I met him in Panama. Okay. So he took his technology, and he went there, and he's getting, he's treating kids with MS, autism, and all this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. They're getting better, although he doesn't really buy into my theory, which is another kind of weird thing. Right. Now, he's a PhD, so he's not a medical doctor. Right. So when I say MS and autism, carpal tunnel, and this compression neuropathy, all that stuff, he doesn't get it. Yeah. Okay. But- he does see the change on these kids. Right. And But he also doesn't seem to have the emphasis on sugar that I do, although his father, by the way, who is an MD, is the guy that started um, all the stuff about vitamin C. Okay. So I said to Dr. Reardon, I said, that's what I'm talking about. The biochemistry of nerves, that's part of vitamin C is part of that and glucose, all that stuff. I won't go into the detail on that. But I said, sugar is causing these problems, yeah. case in point. So I'm in Panama and for your audience. It's a beautiful country, by the way, and a yeah. beautiful clinic. And I'm in the clinic. I'm in the um, cafeteria portion. And there are thousands of patients down there. And there was one kid that had autism, and I was watching him eat. And he's eating like a dog, looking okay. left to right, and his mother's bringing him muffins and pancakes and orange juice, all 100% sugar. Yeah, right. So I go up to her, and I said, um, is this your first time at the clinic? And she said, no, it's third time. I said, really? I said, why do you come back? She says, well, when I, he gets the injections, the, what they call infusions of umbilical tissue. Yeah. His speech comes back and he's able to speak. And I said, I don't know why I said this. I said, what did he say? And he said, I want a donut. Oh. He's addicted to sugar that's yep. causing his problem. Right. But the stem cells reverse it. Now she's back for a third time. Right. So in my way of thinking, you need to understand what's causing this. Right. Now, she obviously had a lot of money, so she could afford that, but most people can't. Yeah. So I'm in the world of creating the protocol, diet, exercise. you got to have the supplements. To your point on the soils that have been depleted, the minerals, right. I mean, you got to do everything. Yeah. And I told you I just finished playing pickleball, and that's to your world of exercise. Yep. And I'll say, have you been following the stories on sprinting as the best exercise for bodybuilding? Yes. Um, in fact, like guess that's my main sport is uh, track and field. And oh. so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I follow that a lot. Um, and, and it, it, it's something that I've, I've known, like, yeah, I'm, I'm more of a, a middle distance to distance guy, a mile 5k, 
versus, you know, a hundred, 200. Um, but it, I've seen it myself when I do more of a sprint type workout to work on my turnover for an end of a race uh, or something like that. I could tell that I, you know, I get, I get more muscle definition from that than I do from going out and just running miles. Um, well, here's an so interesting it definitely story. is yeah. It's definitely a piece of the puzzle that I think a lot of people don't realize because, and, and I think part of it is we went through an age where, you know, in the, in the thirties and forties, you know, physical education in school looked like, you know, boot camp, And then, it turned into more of a, a punishment, you know, exercise with a punishment. And <laughs> exactly. so I think people have that, you know, PTSD of like, you want me to sprint? What am I getting punished for something? <laughs> well, I, that's a good uh, viewpoint on that. I think that's true. Yeah. So let me take you back. Um, I just looked this up. Ricky Henderson. Oh yeah. And I'm, I'm in the gym in Scottsdale because baseball, is here oh yeah in the springtime so i'm in the gym my kid's about six years old he's got a phillies cap on and this guy i didn't know him at the time and he calls me over to the uh quadricep exercise machine Mm -hmm. and he said could you help me figure out how to do it okay and i looked at his legs and you know the quadricep with the rectus Femorous muscle that looked like a little mouse running up and down his leg. It was so cut. Yeah. And upper body as well. And I said, yeah, here's how to use the machine. But I said, you never lifted weights? He said, no, I sprint. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know it was Ricky Henderson at the time. So he sees my kid and he said, come here. And he comes over and he takes his Phillies cap off and he writes in his bill of that cap, Ricky Henderson, the all-time major league stolen base hero nice never lifted a weight he sprints yep. yep and i have another patient um george france and the mvp of the um, arena football league and he was a patient of mine and he, my my kid was a really good athlete in football and i said can you want me to help him work out and i said sure we go out i said where are the weights said, oh no no weights we sprint yep and when you look at sprinting, now there's papers out that are really confirming what you observed. There's cytokines and growth factors that are released, which are basically stem cell type products. And when you sprint with your leg muscles, that then circulates through your body and your upper body gets cut and right. gets defined. Yep. So if you look at sprinters, Olympic sprinters, these guys are ripped. Yeah. But long distance runners are almost emaciated right so it's the right leg exercise so now i've incorporated that into pickleball pickleball is fun mm-hmm. and it's really basically sprinting right that's what it is yeah. you know quick movements quick movements and you're building that up so now i have an exercise i don't have to go running you know three miles every day yeah um i don't i don't lift weights like i used to and now i have fun change my diet tapered down, you know, life is good. Right. And I take no medicines. I, I herniated my L4 uh, really severely about eight years ago. Mm-hmm. I was going to have surgery. I said to my neurosurgeon, let's, let's do stem cell. Oh, no, not enough research. Yeah. Well, I'm doing it anyway. I was back yeah. playing tennis in three days. Yeah. 
not three months, not three years, three days. Right. Yep. And I had one shot, and that was eight years ago. Right. Rotator cuff, same thing. So I'm not saying it's going to cure everything, but why would you not do that first before a surgery? Yeah. Right. And I know the reason it's not going to be offered to you. Right. Because it, the FDA is trying to slow walk the cure. That's right. what they're doing. Right. But they let you eat the poison, the sugar. Well, and like you said, because it's stem cells, it's 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 a much faster recovery um, because of the way they work in the body. And, yep. you know, it's 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 really what you're saying. <laughs> when you get hurt, it's what your cell wants to exactly. repair itself. Yeah. It's it's yeah. and so it's like looking for it. And if it can't find it, which you have some in your body all the time anyway, because your body's regenerating yeah. cells. But when you have that that injection of an overload of it, then it goes, oh, we can repair. It's like, you know, getting the construction crew. And if you're trying to repair an interstate and you go, okay, we're going to hire one crew and it's going to take eight years and people are going to complain. And then we're going to have to start repairing it again because it's taken eight years. And so things are starting to fall apart versus, hey, we need to repair this interstate. We're going to hire every construction crew in the entire state to come fix this. And we're going to have it done in two weeks. Right. Good analogy. Yeah, so unfortunately, our medical system and insurance is geared to medicine surgery, and that's what right. I did all my life. But seriously, we need to change that law. It's yeah. safe. It's effective. We don't need to wait another 10 years. All we're doing is maiming lots yeah. of people, and it's yeah. exchange. So. Yeah. It works on Alzheimer's, it works on dementia, it works on just about everything. But the real crime is autism because yeah. they didn't cause the problem. Right. Uh, maybe if you, you know, ate sugar and had a, you know, a good life for 80 years and you don't remember the last two of them, yeah, that's a shame. But a kid born into this, that's a crime. Right. Yeah. So we got we to gotta get the message out. And, and it's also so, something that like it's it it's not stem cells are are helpful, but they're not a cure from the standpoint. If you don't change your behavior, it's going to come back. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so it is yeah. a, it is a two part like you're, you're not off the hook. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Why keep eating? Why keep throwing gasoline on the fire when the firemen are trying to put the fire out with the phone? Right. It's, yeah. So. Well, I really appreciate you having me on the show. I got a yeah, podcast. It's, I got it's been up. great. Um, how can people get, you know, how can they follow you, get a hold of you if they if they have questions, they want to, you know, learn more um, or seek seek some advice? Well, I have a lot of different websites. We were just talking about that. Mm -hmm. A couple of them are un overloaded. So the book is coming out. tentatively called Unglued right now. Okay. It might be changed to stem cell. But I've uh, probably the easiest one is um, Dr. Jacoby at gmail.com. And um, I'm in Scott sales, so it's easy to look up. Okay. And um, yeah, get a hold of me through that venue. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Jacoby, for being on. It was a pleasure. And thank you. Have a great day. Thanks for checking out the Confidence Through Health podcast. Please subscribe, post a review, share this episode with those you love who need a little extra help with their health journey. Visit allinhealthandwellness.com to learn more about the coaching programs that I provide. 
All episodes are produced by the Social Media Cowboys, your source for all online marketing needs. Go to socialmediacowboys.com for more information.